Hey there, future fans! This week, we get a brand new eye slasher, and something's going sour in Salem. This is the week of October 16th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 185 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right episode 185 just 15 away from 200 and i I still don't know what i'm gonna do for episode 200 because if you remember for episode 100 we did a giveaway and i only had three entries and it's weird because i know i have you know a, a nice number of listeners i'm not anywhere near famous but it's nothing to sneeze at So that just means a lot of you out there, if you were listening back then, when I said, hey, do you want a chance to win free things? You're like, nah, nah, not for me. Not really. I hope if I do another giveaway, I get more entries. I do. I mean, I wouldn't mind it if one of the good friends of the show wins again. I, I really wouldn't mind that. But I do crave a little bit of interaction. But of course, once again, I can't be too picky because, hey, at least I have listeners which is you, my future family. Welcome to the show. So let me tell you what it is we do on this show during COVID, because as many of you know, what we do during COVID differs from what we do when everything is nice and normal, and when movies are coming out, and when theaters aren't closing. So currently what we do on the show is we talk about news, any new news and new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode, and to be fair, that happens during the normal show too. But instead of telling you about all of the movies coming out during the week, any new releases hitting theaters, that is, instead of that, during COVID, I pick two movies that are on streaming, and I review them. I try to keep them current. If there's any new releases, I'll try to do those. Every once in a while, I'll do a throwback film. Every once in a while, I'll do something random from like, oh, 2014, which is not terribly old, but I never saw it. But I do try to keep it current and available on streaming so anyone could watch along if you want. This week's movies are Hubie Halloween on Netflix and Child's Play, the 2019 remake on Hulu. I also believe Amazon Prime has it, which I forgot to mention last episode. If my voice sounds a little weird this week, I did break one of my cardinal rules that I actually break way more than I should. I am drinking a soda. Soda is famously not good for people who work with their voices. Work. Sarcastic air quotes. But I just really needed a... uh, a whiskey and coke and i have this fancy japanese whiskey i thought you know why not mix it see how it goes and it's pretty damn good you know but my future friends let us end this introduction let us instead jump into our first segment which as always is the news this just in from hollywood the news this story comes to us from indie wire And this story says Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins are going to re-team up for a new movie about Cleopatra. They will be making this movie for Paramount Pictures that reportedly closed the deal on this film over the weekend. It will be a biographical period drama. 
And the script is going to be penned by, and I hope I'm saying this name right, but I'm probably not, Leta Calagridis, who was a writer behind Oliver Stone's Alexander and Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. And in the true spirit of the internet, some people are already upset about this. Because, you know, it's the internet. You can't say anything without upsetting someone. But it's not that big of a deal, it seems like, right now, as there's a lot of people speaking up in favor of Gal Gadot's casting. The issue was that they're casting Gal Gadot, who is Israeli, to play a seemingly Egyptian, possibly Greek woman. But there are actually quite a few people out there defending this casting, saying, well, we don't actually know what Cleopatra's race was, what her ethnicity was, and... A lot of people are pointing out that guess where Israel is right the f*** next to Egypt. Because some people see this as whitewashing because Gal Gadot has white skin. But guess what? The Western world doesn't have the monopoly on white skin. And also this film is not to be confused with another Cleopatra movie currently in very, very, very early pre-production. This one instead of Patty Jenkins to be directed by Denis Villanueva. And instead of being based off history, this is being based off a novel by an author named Stacy Schiff. So to clarify, the Patty Jenkins Gal Gadot version is historical and done by Paramount. The other one, Dennis Villanueva, and based off a novel. In a story from Variety, The War with Grandpa has dethroned Tenant at the domestic box office. But do keep in mind that dethroning Tenant at the domestic box office was never going to be hard. For many reasons, including that there's not a lot out in theaters right now, seeing as there are not a lot of theaters open right now, but Tenant has held the top spot in the box office since it was released early September. Though it's also important to keep in mind that domestically, Tenant has only grossed about $48 million, while internationally it has grossed $275 million, bringing its worldwide total to two, to $323.3 million. So the fact that it was dethroned by a family comedy starring Robert De Niro, not that surprising. Fun fact about The War with Grandpa, or not fun per se, but just a fact, this movie was originally supposed to come out in 2018, However, this was a Harvey Weinstein produced film and 2018 was when all of that Harvey Weinstein is a horrible rapist and a uh, just an awful person stuff was first kicking off. Though let's be honest, it's always been known in Hollywood, right? There have been jokes going on about this for years, even though it's not, nothing to joke about, but people have been, it, it was known, right? We all knew this, that Harvey Weinstein was a creep. Well, when he finally started to get called on his crimes, this movie was about to come out, so they put this one on the back burner, along with films called The Upside and The Current War, that just sat in limbo until enough of the news has blown away that they could release the film without it being negatively impacted by Harvey Weinstein. Especially now that Harvey Weinstein is successfully in jail, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Our next story comes to us from Variety again. John David Washington, who I definitely think one day will surpass his dad as far as awards and accolades go, has a new movie. It's the new movie from director David O. Russell, who directed American Hustle, Three Kings, Silver Linings Playbook, Joy. Unfortunately, it seems like he likes to work with um, Jennifer Lawrence a lot, but uh, maybe we'll forgive him for that, because maybe she'll learn that he, she's awful. But other than that, we know that also Christian Bale and Margot Robbie have been signed on for this film. 
This is one of two movies the director is going to be working on. The other is called Not Fade Away, so far starring Emily Blunt. The movie with Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, and the wonderful John David Washington has not received a name. And the plot is being kept under wraps. We do know that it's going to be written and directed by David O. Russell. In sad news, Margaret Nolan, who is best known as being the gold-painted model in Goldfinger, was also an actress in A Hard Day's Night, passed away at the age of 76. My future friends, if any of you wanted to get into real estate, maybe wanted to buy some land for yourself, for about $300,000, you too can own Buffalo Bill's house from the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yay! I'm recording this episode on Sunday the 11th, so hopefully by the time this drops on Thursday or Friday, uh, it will still be available and you, yes, you, can own that house. Though it has been reported that the basement well is not included in the purchase. So if you want to keep women prisoner for your skin suit, you have to do it somewhere else. All right, my future friends, next up is a story related to the Gal Gadot one from earlier. This from GiantFreakingRobot.com. Wonder Woman 1984, if you haven't heard, is going direct to streaming. So that news and the news of Bond moving and all these other films moving, probably why Regal has decided to close down until movies start coming out again. Sir Wonder Woman 1984 sticking to its Christmas Day release date, but now releasing on video on demand instead. A lot of these movies you can rent for 20 bucks, and I think that's not bad because then my wife and I, two of us, a ticket would would tickets would cost that much anyway. Have all our snacks at home in the comfort of our own home, where we can pause whenever we want to pee. That's really the bonus right there. Uh, True, we lack the big screen, but if a movie can't hold its own on a small screen, then is it really good in the first place, is the question. As far as I can tell, a price hasn't been released yet, but hopefully it's 20 bucks and and that they're not going to do the Mulan thing of uh, 30 bucks, which A, it was Mulan, so problematic already. I wasn't that psyched based on the various social problems related to that movie in the first place, so I definitely wasn't going to pay $10 extra to watch it at home. But Wonder Woman 1984, if it has a reasonable streaming price, I will definitely watch it. Though I, since then, you know, since the last episode, I've read quite quite a few articles about theaters closing and how a lot of these companies are just going to have to suck it up if they want to save theaters. Just suck it up, release a big film, even though... They won't make as much money in the box office as they normally would if they didn't wait, but that they should release anyway, just so theaters can reopen, get some cash going, because it's better for the industry as a whole. And I totally agree with that. I mean, look at the numbers Tenant is doing right now. That is nowhere near what it could have been doing if it released in a year where we all weren't, you know, social distancing and having to stay at home more and all that stuff. It would have done gangbusters in the theater last year or maybe even next year. But I think a lot of these companies, instead of pushing their films back, should release anyway. True, their their movie isn't going to make as much as it could, but it will help out movie theaters in the long run. And movie theaters are the backbone of the film industry. This next story comes to us from Forbes, and it's um it's just interesting, not, not huge news. An underrated Zoe Saldana flop is now one of Netflix's most watched movies, and that is Columbiana, which did terribly. It opened with a $10.8 million opening that did only about $34 million domestically, $63 million worldwide, on a $40 million budget, so that's terrible. 
but it's doing well on streaming. It's getting a lot. It's going getting watched a lot more than it ever did in theaters. And I think that that's a wonderful sign. That's a wonderful sign for the future of streaming. Unfortunately, that was the last film that Zoe Saldana headlined. Uh, other than that, she's always been a a co-star, you know, co-starring for top billing or play just played the, uh, you know, the token female in the movie where she merely existed as a love interest or something. And I have not seen Columbiana. I have not. But according to this Forbes article, it it was a pretty well-received movie by people who actually watched it. To me, that says the movie was just sold terribly. So maybe it's a less extreme example of John Carter. If you remember, John Carter did terrible in the theaters, but it has a very strong and sincere fan base because those of us who have actually watched John Carter know it's a fantastic film that was sold so poorly that it did hardly anything in theaters. My feature friends, next from Sci-Fi Wire, Robert Downey Jr.'s going to do another Sherlock Holmes movie, and he wants to kickstart a Marvel-style mystery-verse. Because of course he does, because that's more money. Is this actually going to happen? Probably not. But uh, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife apparently were excited for the possibility of a mystery-verse. They don't have any solid plans for anything or really said much other than we think there's an opportunity to build it out more. Spin-off characters for, uh, from a third movie to see what's going on in the television landscape, to see what Warner Media is starting to build out, things with HBO and HBO Max. So basically, it seems like Robert Downey Jr. and his wife are saying, hey, we could build this huge universe. You motherfuckers like universes, right? It could bring you more money. We don't have any ideas. That's up to you. But just think about it. If they do try and do it, hopefully it will go over better than the uh, Universal's Dark Universe. All right, friends, this next story comes to us from Polygon. The new Resident Evil movie reboot will apparently faithfully adapt to the games. So yay, says fans of the games everywhere. Because I'm going to be honest, one of my biggest problems with the Resident Evil series was that it was called Resident Evil, and it had shit all to do with the games. So you're going to base something on some already established media, and you're just going to say, fuck everything they have done, we're just going to take a couple elements and do our own thing. It's kind of like, why even bother? Don't get me wrong, they were still fun films. I still watched most of them. I didn't see the last two, because I, well, I stopped caring. But... I will watch them someday, probably, but I'm more excited for these new movies that they're planning that will be more faithful to the game. My future friend's word of warning uh, from CBR.com, apparently the Suicide Squad's movie's latest teaser footage may spoil the true identity of Nathan Fillion's character. I'm guessing that's only going to be the case if you're familiar with the DC Universe. So if you're A, familiar with the DC Universe... B, the type of person who watches teaser footage, and C, don't want to get spoiled for absolutely anything, then you should avoid the teaser. This next story comes to us from IGN. Jurassic World Dominion apparently has had to stop filming after multiple crew has tested positive for the coronavirus. Weird. So it's almost like... Okay, here, I'm, I'm just going to run with this. I have this idea that probably no one has had before. It's almost like we're in a global pandemic... And keeping safe around large groups of people is difficult to do because people don't want to follow all the guidelines. So it's almost like doing things like this with big groups of people is a bad idea. Oh, shit, that's wow. That may be too out there. I'm sorry I even said it. 
felt smart, may delete later. And my future friends, if you want something sad, here it is. At the During the end credits for Hubie Halloween, not a spoiler for the movie, just during the end credits, there's a tribute to Cameron Boyce, Adam Sandler's co-star from the movie Grown Ups, who passed away last year in July after suffering an epileptic seizure. And my future friends, how about the last movie of this current news cycle? So mind you, if the, if the story breaks after the 11th, it will probably be in the next episode. So The Christmas Chronicles 2 has a synopsis now, and here it is. Kate Pierce, now a cynical teen, is unexpectedly reunited with Santa Claus when a mysterious troublemaker threatens to cancel Christmas forever. If you do not remember, The Christmas Chronicles was a movie from, let's see, way back in 2018, an original Netflix Christmas movie starring Kurt Russell and uh, some other people. Well, now number two is set to come out on November 25th, ready to be streamed anytime during December. And my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, welcome back to the show. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. All right, my future friends, first up, we have the trailer for a film called Black Bear. This is a drama starring, of all people, Aubrey Plaza, who you would know from a lot of things, but probably Parks and Rec. It also has Sarah Gaddon from Letterkenny and 112263. She plays gay in Letterkenny. Christopher Abbott from Whiskey Tango Foxtrot and It Comes at Night. And Alexander Koch from Under the Dome. So this is, like I said, a drama starring Aubrey Plaza. We don't see that a lot. Uh, she does do them, of course, just her more popular works tend to be comedies. She was in one of tonight's movies, of course, which um, isn't a comedy, but, you know, we'll get into that later. But I found this trailer confusing because it seems like it was trying to sell us a thriller, but then I wasn't sure. I think it was just cut weird. We have this film about a filmmaker played by Aubrey Plaza who is at a creative impasse and she seeks solace from her tumultuous past at a re at a rural retreat only to find that the woods summon her inner demons in intense and surprising ways. So basically, from what I gather from the trailer, she meets this couple and starts to have feelings for the dude and they start to bang and I think that's the intense and surprising way that she's trying to get with a taken dude at least that's what i think because i think in the scenes where she is in bed with someone and i think the scenes of the other woman uh played by sarah gadden and her boyfriend i think they're the same dude but of course they're just some of those white dudes that look similar they have shortish unkempt hair uh hipster beard very general dude so basically i don't know what to think about this movie this could be really good it has that potential but just like with a lot of indie films, the trailer didn't really sell it. The only reason I'm paying attention to this at all, the only reason I'm even mentioning this, is because of the two leading ladies who I like. 
Aubrey Plaza, very talented. Sarah Gadden, only seen her in a couple of things, but I liked what I saw, so that's a good sign. Check out the trailer if you want some indie goodness starring a famous comedy act- actress. And this comes out December 4th. My fellow movie lovers, the next trailer is may- is one that made me wonder if the beer I'm currently drinking was laced with something. Because I I watched something really weird. And as I was watching the trailer, I thought it was going to go a certain way. I thought it was going to be a little obvious. And then it, it, it didn't, and it surprised me, and I, I want to watch it, I think. This is the first Mel Gibson film I really want to watch in a while. Uh, it stars Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, that's right, and Marianne Jean-Baptiste. I think is how you say it. It comes out November 17th. It's called Fat Man. It's an action comedy thriller where we have this disgruntled old man living in the middle of snowy but nowhere Canada. And on an, on the other side of the world, or maybe somewhere in Canada or, or America, I don't know, we have this kid who wakes up Christmas morning, opens up a present from Santa, and gets coal. This kid then calls a hired killer called Skinny Man, played by Walton Goggins, and he says, I want you to hunt down and kill Santa Claus. So we have Mel Gibson playing Santa Claus, who gave this shitty little kid Cole, and the kid, who I guess is like the son of a drug lord or something, has the clout to hire this assassin. So now the assassin is trying to hunt down Santa Claus. Santa Claus, basically just imagine... If you took Santa Claus away, we know him. We know him and we love him. And then we took a mix of Liam Neeson from Taken and Old Rambo. And you mix it all together. That's what you have. So when the trailer starts out, you think it's some sort of going to be some sort of gritty drama thriller where we have this old retired Marine or something. I don't know. I don't know where I thought it was going because it's Santa Claus. And we have this guy hunting Santa Claus to kill him for giving this shitty little kid coal. And this isn't a tongue-in-cheek movie per se, because it's not that it's not that blatant about it. From watching the trailer, the feeling I get is this film doesn't take itself seriously, but it also doesn't do a wink wink nudge nudge while the movie's playing. It looks like an action thriller. It looks like a John Wick style movie, and instead we have a angry Santa Claus fighting this other guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next up, we have a film called Come Away, starring David O'Yellow-O, Anna Chancellor, Angelina Jolie, Michael Caine, Gugu Mbantara, Clark Peters, and David Gyasi, I think is how you say it. Uh, He was in Interstellar, Cloud Atlas, Dark Knight Rises, uh, Annihilation. And this is written and directed or just written? Let's see. Just directed, actually, by Brenda Chapman, who directed quite a few Disney things. I lied just to. She directed The Prince of Egypt and Brave, but she was a writer for many like The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Brave, which was f***ing horrible. But this is a film that says it's a prequel to Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. Yes, another one of these which is some sort of prequel slash retelling of a classic tale. Uh, this time we have uh, David O'Yellow and Angelina Jolie as two parents. We have their ki- kids, Alice and Peter. Let me make sure the kids haven't done anything. One of them has Peter, played by, let's see, Jordan A. Nash, was in the show Harlots, and Kira Chansa, who plays Alice, is relatively new. 
and I can't believe we're getting another one of these, because if you remember back in April, Wendy came out. Wendy was the movie I talked about in 2019, I think. That is a retelling of Peter Pan, uh, Lost on a Mysterious Island, where aging and time have come unglued. Wendy must fight to save her family, her freedom, and the joyous spirit of youth from the deadly peril of growing up. What I'm saying is, we've seen this movie before. It's very familiar. We have a a movie that presents itself as a retelling or a prequel to a famous fable or a old book. In this case, book, of course. And we have this magical realism where we don't really know, is is it magical or is it all imagination? Is it somewhere in the middle? And because we have these kids growing up during hard times, their family is in debt and it's not easy and... Their father and mother tell them, you know, just believe, you know, stay young and believe in magic and all this, all this shit. And it's just so familiar and done before. But the thing is, if you are looking for a family movie, if you're looking for something to watch with your kids, something that could be interesting, something that could be potentially really well acted, especially with that cast. David Oyelowo is fantastic. Angelina Jolie some people like her. Uh, Gugu Mbanthara, I'm a huge fan. And also, by watching this movie, you'd be supporting movies that have people of color in it. As, of course, David Oyelowo and thus his kids in this are black. A lot of the supporting characters are black, too. So that's a very positive thing. That's something good about this movie, but it, eh, it just seems eh and skippable otherwise. Next up, my future fans, we have a movie I'm really torn on. And I think... Uh, the people who've been listening for a while will will understand why. The next movie is called Minamata. This is about based on the true story actually of war photographer W. Eugene Smith as he travels back to Japan where he documented the devastating effect of mercury poisoning in coastal communities. This stars Johnny Depp. See, there we go. Bill Nye and Hiroyuki Sanada. If you're new to the show, I'm not a big Johnny Depp fan. Uh, there are quite a few things he's done that, I've, that I really like, but even even though he seems to be one of those people that tries to disappear in his role, tries to become the character, I find everything very samey that he does. I I can't help but see the similarities instead of the differences between everything he does. And then there's a question about if he's even a good person or not, because all that stuff with his ex Amber Heard, there's just so much that he was abusing her. No, she was abusing him. No, they're abusing each other. No. Right now, I'm just going to play it safe and say both of them until we know. But more about this movie. The reason I'm torn is because even without that stuff, even without that Amber Heard stuff, I I wasn't a huge Johnny Depp fan. And as many of you longtime listeners know, I love supporting anything Asian in cinema because Asians in cinema are are woefully underrepresented. And as some of you may remember, a while back, I wanted a rant that I have since apologized for. And if I can remember what episode it was, I would just delete the episode. But I went on a rant about the the Oscars so white controversy saying, well, where's the mention of Asians? When's the last time an Asian won an Oscar? And also, how often do you see an Asian in a movie that doesn't take place in that Asian country? And in case you weren't around for my apology, I've since retracted what I said and realized that I put the focus on the wrong thing. What I said about Asians in cinema is true, but that doesn't mean we also can't have another conversation about people of color in cinema. So we can have all these conversations together because they're all important. So part of my struggle with Minamata is that it's a historical film, well, based on history, that is. Set in Japan, but with an actor I'm not a huge fan of. I think I might watch his film. Uh, 
just because it does look good. And because in any other movie, Bill Nye and Hiroyuki Sonata alone would sell it for me. So uh, I might watch this on February 12th, 2021. All right, my future friends, next up, we have a trailer for a film coming out soon, November 6th, coming to VOD, a film called Mortal, and it stars Nat Wolf from Paper Towns and Priyanka Bose from lion and this is about a well it's a fantasy adventure origin story about a young man discovering he has godlike powers based on ancient norwegian mythology so this is a people of powers movie and it's directed well written and directed by the guy who did troll hunter that's right troll hunter is that badass film from 2010 uh, he also directed scary stories to tell in the dark and he signed on to do scary stories to tell in the dark too and you know my stance on people of power movies and TV shows. We, we have so much potential to, to go into stories we haven't told yet. And this one kind of seems like one of those. So we have this guy who, I, from what I understand from the trailer, is getting picked on from some shitty little teen. And I guess he like nukes the kid or something. So can't really feel, feel sorry for the kid there, right? And he gets called in for questioning, and this woman, I don't know if she's a cop or what, talks to him, he explains what happened, she knows she has a, she knows he has powers, and they go on the run because the government wants him. The government wants to, to get a hold of him. And this takes place in Norway, filmed in, in English. So, person with power on the run from a government that wants to stop them is not a new story. Not at all. We've seen the story so many times, so many hero origin stories are like this. Hell, we have whole story arcs in comics based off the government wanting to crack down on people with powers. The interesting thing about this is who the director is, the fact that I've liked something he's done uh, quite a bit, and the fact that we just don't see movies like this out of Norway. Of course, I don't see a lot of movies out of Norway, so this is going to be new for me either way. And it doesn't seem like it's big on the special effects, which helps, because when you don't have, like, you level money if you don't have disney warner brothers fox well not fox anymore but you know some of these big company level money it always looks weird when you try and do cg for a superhuman movie it looks like this one doesn't try to do a lot of it, it looks like we have a lot of practical effects which i like this film has a lot of potential comes out november 6th all right my friends next up we have a film called echo boomers this is based on a true story of five college graduates who decide the best way to get back at the unfair economy and live the life they've always wanted is to steal from chicago's richest and give to themselves this stars patrick schwarzenegger and michael shannon and okay i mean this seems fine it's a heist movie and it seems like it's trying to veil itself as some sort of movie with a message but I think it's just going to be a regular heist film, an action crime drama. What interests me in this is Michael Shannon. Always a good job. I'm a big fan of Michael Shannon. I think he's fantastic. And the masks they wear, I guess, are interesting. It looks like some sort of like candy skull Day of the Dead meets Las Vegas kind of thing. Anyway, if you like crime dramas, check this out. It comes out in theaters and on streaming November 13th. All right, my friends, next up in the trove, we have a trailer for a movie called The Education of Frederick Fitzel. And I'm just going to talk briefly about it because the trailer made me super uncomfortable because it's a drug movie and I hate drug movies. This is about a dude named Frederick Fitzel who has a pretty okay life. 
I believe. He has a job, he has a wife, and one day finds himself doodling and he realizes he's doodling a old friend from high school. And so then he wonders, hey, what the hell ever happened to her? And then he starts to remember more and more and more and realizes that at one time he was hanging out with his friends, that missing girl was one of them, and they all did this drug. And when they came to, she was gone. So to try and retrace their steps, they go back to where they did the drug and then they do it again because that's a great f***ing idea, right? No, that's in fact a terrible idea. So this whole movie is going to, it seems like one of those that's going to make you question what's real. And I 100% guarantee you at some point we're going to ask ourselves, was the beginning even real? Was Frederick ever this guy who had a wife? And was he ever, uh, did he ever have a steady job? All this shit. It starts Dylan O'Brien, Micah Monroe, and Keir Gilchrist. And it comes out next year. So far, no release date, but I will update you if I find out. All right, my future friends, next up in the trove, we have a film called Mank, which if I remember, if you're not a mank, it makes you a wank. But enough about soccer. Let's talk about this film, which follows screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz and his tumultuous development of Orson Welles' iconic masterpiece, Citizen Kane. This stars Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Tuppence Middleton, Charles Dance, and uh, probably other people, but those are the biggest names. This is a David Fincher movie. Yeah, that should tell you all you need to know if you like David Fincher, which I do. I like David Fincher, mostly. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Gone Girl. Uh, Zodiac was fantastic. Panic Room, great, of course. Uh, Seven, Social Network. David Fincher does good work, and this movie of his comes out December 4th, shot in black and white, just like Citizen Kane, and it looks pretty interesting. All right, my future fans, next up, we have a film that I'm actually quite excited for called Everybody's Talking About Jamie. This is based on a musical of the same name. This is about a teenager from Sheffield, England, who wants to be a drag queen. Out of the known people, this stars Richard E. Grant for movies like Gosford Park and Hudson Hawk. Sarah Lancashire, I think is how you say it, from uh, British dramas like Happy Valley. She was also in the movie Yesterday. And Ralph Ensign who was in The Witch and, uh, let's see, Guardians of the Galaxy as, well, oh, just a pilot, I guess, but hey, he was in it. New to the scene, we have Max Harwood playing Jamie and Lauren Patel playing Pretty Pasha, uh, Jamie's best friend. So what we have here is a big gay musical, and I'm down. That's it. You sold me. Big gay musical. That's all you need to say. You come up to me on the street going, hey, Billiam, do you want to see a big gay musical? I'm like, yes, I do. Where is it? Let's go right now. Anne and I recently finished watching Schitt's Creek. And in the last episode, I, I cried all the tears. All the tears. I died. I shriveled up. I became a raisin. I cried so much. And then we watched the documentary, the, you know, about hour-long documentary they did about the final episode. And it brings up an interesting point that I've said before, that there's nothing wrong with joy. There's nothing wrong with a movie that shows people who deserve to be happy being happy. Everybody's Talking About Jamie is one of the other movies. We have Jamie, and Jamie doesn't have it easy. Jamie's dad disowns him. The schoolmates, uh, a few of the school schoolmates bully him. And this is a movie, based on a play, of course, but about Jamie finding what he wants. Who knows, by the end of the movie, Jamie not e may not even be a he. Maybe he's still he, but he realizes, hey, I just like wearing these fancy f***ing dresses. Anyway, everybody's talking about Jamie. Big gay musical. I'm down. Oh, wait, I never made my point about bringing up Shit's Creek. In that documentary, they say there's, there's nothing wrong with gay joy. There's nothing wrong with watching a movie 
where people have a happy ending, where there's no one shitting on them. There's no one treating them like crap. And it, where it shows LGBTQ people in a setting where it's 100% normal, which it is, and no one gives it a second thought. Those are very important stories to tell, but of course, so are these. So are these where we where we have these stories of people whose coming out was horrible. So yes, drag queens. I love me some drag queens. I want to watch this. All right, my future friends, let us wrap up the trailer trove with the final movie we're going to talk about called The 355, or The 355, actually. This is a movie about a top-secret weapon falls into mercenary hands. A wild-card CIA agent joins forces with three international agents on a lethal mission to retrieve it while staying a step ahead of a mysterious woman who's tracking their every move. This stars Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, Diane Kruger, Penelope Cruz, Bing Bing Fan, Sebastian Stan, and Edgar Ramirez. And I am so down. So imagine something like Ocean's 8 and then combine it with the Bourne movies. So we have this action spy thriller with a fully female main cast kicking ass, being awesome. And I I cannot wait. This looks so, so good. Because you know me and Lupita Nyong'o, I'm a huge fan. She was the only only saving grace of little monsters she's the only reason i just didn't take a fat steaming all over the movie because she is awesome jessica chastain a little wooden but i'm a but i'm a fan diane kruger penelope cruz amazing bing bing fan i can't quite remember if there was a controversy about her a while back but hey it couldn't have been that bad right i forgot it but i did like her in x-men days of future past which is one of the better x-men movies she played blink this is expected to be released January 15th, 2021, but we will see if it gets pushed back due to COVID. And I really want to see this in theaters. This looks really good. All right, my future fans, let us end the trailer trove. Take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Then we will be right back with the first movie. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, my future friends, welcome back. We are going to dive into our first film of the week, and that is a movie that's available to stream right now on Hulu and Amazon Prime called Child's Play. All right, look, before we get into the movie, I want to acknowledge that I have talked about this film already on the show. I, I just kind of wanted to talk about it again, go a little more in depth about my feelings. So here we go. This is from way back in 2019. Yes, this is the remake of the classic horror film. Look, you know the premise of Child's Play. If you don't, the original Child's Play was just a little bit different, but basically the same kind of idea about this kid who gets a doll. The doll uh, is kind of f***ed up and the doll kills people. That's what you really need to know. This version, the reboot, stars Aubrey Plaza, Brian Tyree Henry, David Lewis, and uh, let's see, what was the kid's name? Gabriel Bateman, who's in movies like Lights Out and uh, The Dangerous Book for Boys, the TV series, which I didn't even know was a thing. 
these reboots always get me. They always do, because I really want to watch them, and I really want to like them. And who knows, every once in a while, I do. The Halloween reboot was fantastic. Like I've said before, I liked it so much that it that I liked it despite the fact that they retconned almost all of the other films except for the first one. That's how much I liked it. And Halloween is my favorite slasher franchise. But look, I really want to like these films, and I go into it hoping to like it. So my anticipation, or what I feel either way, shouldn't affect me. But I didn't like this film. I didn't like it because there is a very, very fundamental reason why the original Child's Play, which was done back in 1988, there's a reason, fundamentally, why the 1988 version was so much better than the 2019 version. And has nothing to do with CG versus practical effects. It has nothing to do with the fact that it wasn't as cheesy because more money was put into it. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that they changed Chucky on a fundamental level. What they did, and I believe I've already talked about this on the show, but what they did was instead of having Chucky be a doll that was possessed by the soul of a serial killer, Charles Lee Ray, they had him be a smart doll, basically, that was done by this, I forgot what the company's name was, doesn't really matter, but this super tech doll can connect to all sorts of things. It can connect to your phone, it can connect to your computer, your TV, your central heating, your alarm system, and it learns and it grows with you. And instead of having the soul of a serial killer put into him, this doll, the buddy doll, B-U-D-D-E, I, not B-U-D-D-Y, the Buddy Doll is built in this factory in, I believe, Vietnam, but we have this worker who's treated like shit, and his final act before he's fired is that he turns off all of the safety protocols, every safety measure on this particular Buddy Doll, and then he kills himself. And no, his soul doesn't go into the doll. No, no, no. It's just that these protections were turned off. So then the kid gets the doll and the doll doesn't know not to do things. Like the cat scratches the boy. Uh, what's the kid's name? Andy. The doll sees the cat scratch Andy. And he gets all m- mad and like a typical kid goes, Oh, I wish a cat was dead. He probably doesn't say, but I wish a cat wasn't even around. So the doll kills the cat thinking he's doing good. And that one thing changes Chucky so much because it was easy to understand why Chucky was evil in the first movie. Charles Lee Ray, the serial killer who did some sort of demonic ritual and killed himself, or basically the police killed him, and then his soul went into the doll so he can continue doing his murdering. Do you think the fact that he's in a doll is going to stop him from murdering? No, Charles Lee Ray loves murder. This doll is quite different. This doll doesn't get it. And what really got to me was that Chucky was a sympathetic character. I felt so, so bad. There were so many things that could have saved this film. It has a good cast. Uh, we have we have the voice of Chucky being done by Mark Hamill. That's fantastic. But when we see the fact that this the killer, the person we're supposed to look at as the evil of the movie, when we see this killer, instead of being a serial killer is, for all intents and purposes, he's basically just a mentally ill child. It changes the movie. Andy and his friends are just shitty teenagers. Uh, him and his two closest friends are not terrible. They're not really mean, but they're just they're just dumb kids. And they use Chucky to play pranks. And they're watching horror movies like um, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So we see Chucky learning all of this and then not knowing any better. We see Chucky watching Andy as he's basically beaten by his mom's boyfriend. So Chucky goes to kill the boyfriend. Like, hey, you harmed my best friend. Andy's my best friend. He's my ride or die. Or is Chucky the ride or die? Okay, I I forget. But anyway, (laughs) instead of a serial killer, instead of someone inherently evil being the killer, we have this doll with the intellect of a child thinking that he's doing the right thing. And when he gets punished for it, he doesn't get it. Andy and his friends knock Chucky down, hold him down, pull his power supply out. So Chucky is watching his best friend, the person he lives for, kill him. And then being a stupid teenager, Andy just dumps him down in, uh, down the garbage chute into the garbage, thinking that, oh, once it goes down there, it disappears forever. No one could possibly go looking through the garbage for something. So then when Chucky brings Shane's face back, and I believe it's taped to a watermelon or something, Chucky's like, look what I did. I did this for you. This motherfucker tried to hurt you. This motherfucker threatened you. I killed his ass, carved his face off, and brought it to you to show you what a good job I did. Wait, what's that? Why are you turning on me? Why are you hurting me? Oh, I'm being thrown down a garbage chute. What? This creepy guy finds me and powers me back up. So when I come to after being killed by my best friend, what I see is that I'm being, I'm tied down, stripped down, having this creepy motherfucker try and repair me. Also seeing that this creepy fu- has put cameras in like the bathroom of Andy's mom's house, my best friend's mom's bathroom. So I have to cope with the fact that my best friend turned on me, tried to kill me, that I'm being tortured by this weird guy. So instead of Chucky being the obvious evil going, oh, look, there he is. That's Chucky. Uh, He's evil. No question about it. No redeeming qualities. Now we have this character that you can fully understand why they snapped because Chucky had all of his safety protocols turned off, which is the smart doll equivalent of a kid who has mental disabilities, who doesn't understand social norms, social concepts, rules, things like that. And I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, but Billiam, aren't you taking this reboot of an 80s horror movie way too seriously? And maybe I am, but I also can't ignore the fact that they changed a core mechanic of the movie. So we're now supposed to watch this film and root for the demise of the bad guy when the bad guy is one of the most sympathetic characters. And there's one very specific moment when you know the people behind this movie, you know they put this in to get us to turn on Chucky, to side with everyone else, and that's when he murdered Doreen, who was the mother of Brian Tyree Henry's character, Mike. So Chucky kills this sweet old lady. She has done nothing wrong. She's been nothing but actually very amazing to Andy. She even covers for Andy when he's using her to lie to his mom. And she's like, yeah, I'm down. I will help you. The sweetest old lady. So they use her death as a sign that now Chucky is bad. But that moment, even though Doreen was a great character and fully a good guy, that did not undo everything that came before it. It did not undo the fact that you can trace the downfall 
of Chucky. I would have liked this movie a whole lot more if they they could keep the whole technologically advanced doll thing. That was fine. I did not give a shit about that. Even when Chucky at the very end was starting to turn on drones and make all these electronic things turn on all these people in the, in the crowd, I did not mind that. It was stupid, but so was the first Child's Play. The first Child's Play was stupid. It's a great classic slasher. Doesn't mean it was actually a great film, but I would have been better with this. I would have liked it a whole lot more, maybe even better than the original if they just kept the serial killer aspect in the movie or maybe the disgruntled worker at the factory put his soul in the doll i don't care if that anything to take the sympathetic lens away from chucky would have benefited this film as it stands this is not a good movie this is not a good reboot it is actually more sad than scary there was a good idea somewhere in this reboot but it failed it failed on the fundamental level of the removal of Charles Lee Ray. And that is the bottom line. Child's Play gets a 4 out of 11. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future fans, it is time for the final movie of the week, and that is a Netflix original called Hubie Halloween. Despite his devotion to his hometown of Salem and its Halloween celebration, Hubie Dubois is a figure of mockery for kids and adults alike. But this year, something is going bump in the night, and it's up to Hubie to save Halloween. This stars Adam Sandler from The Wedding Singer, Julie Bowen from Modern Family, and Kevin James from The King of Queens. And from here on, the rest of the actors are in no particular order. Ray Liotta from Goodfellas, Steve Buscemi from Reservoir Dogs, Rob Schneider from Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, Maya Rudolph from Bridesmaids, Tim Meadows from The Ladies' Man, Michael Chiklis from Fantastic Four, The Good One, sarcastic air quotes, The Good One, June Squibb from Nebraska, George Wallace from The Lady Killers, Keenan Thompson, current Saturday Night Live actor, Shaquille O'Neal, who is a flat earther, and Ben Stiller from Zoolander. My future friends, this is an Adam Sandler comfort comedy. You know exactly what to expect from his comedies. He doesn't do challenging things. He doesn't bring anything interesting to the table. He does what he knows people like and he'll keep on repeating this stuff because people watch it and every once in a while he'll do a a real hidden gem or maybe i should say uncut gems but every once in a while he'll do something to go oh yeah remember me i am actually a pretty good actor don't forget that back to these stupid fucking movies so if you're still actively a 90s teenager maybe you will like these films still and of course what's wrong with liking something like that it, it's 
funny. It's harmless. Mostly, I guess. Because here's one of my questions. Here's something that I was wondering. His character from like Waterboy and and Hubie Dubois in this, what's their deal? Because some of his characters have an affected voice that kind of implies a mental disability. They are also stupid characters. They act weird. They're not very smart. They seem to have trouble catching on to the normal flow of life. So are his characters either autistic or have some other form of mental disability? But I think that's an important question to ask. Are we laughing at his antics and we're actually laughing at something we shouldn't be laughing at? Because we're in 2020. It's no longer okay to point at someone and go, hey, look at that retard. Do you know how not okay it is that I debated even using that term as an example? But that's more of a question to ask yourself. What do you think he's trying to portray with his characters and is it okay? So let's move on to the movie. This movie is a movie. It's interesting. It it really had its moments. It really had some funny gags and it it was just a little too weird. So we have Hubie who was picked on in school. He was a huge nerd and uh, everyone hated him. Kids still today pick on him. They play a game of, hey, let's throw things at Hubie. You know, things like eggs and flaming bags of poop and chainsaws and kitchen sinks and weapons and he mostly deftly dodges these items because he's been harassed like this so much that it's second nature to him so we have this town full of ass absolute ass there are only let's see one two three four five six six ish characters out of all those people i mentioned when I was saying who was in the film and everyone I didn't mention out of all those characters, only six were even worth a damn. And those were Hubie himself, that there's Violet, uh, the love interest played by Julie Bowen, Hubie's mom played by June Squibb, the two DJs. Oh, and I forgot there's uh, three more uh, Violet's foster kids. They are not ass. Oh, oh, and the Elder foster kids love interest. Okay, so there, there are more than a few, but besides that, everyone else is actively an asshole. It's not just, oh, there are only a handful of okay characters and the other people are just mediocre at best. No, they're actively assholes. So in that way, it's kind of frustrating that we have Hubie who basically does nothing wrong besides being a little weird. He's just a little odd. And He's trying so hard to protect this town that does nothing but completely shit on him. So a good portion of this plot felt like it was picked right out of an 80s teen movie where you have just a bunch of people who are assholes to these nerds for no good reason. And I'm not even picking this part apart. I'm not even picking this aspect of the movie apart because of, oh, bullying and stuff like that. No, I'm picking it apart because... It got boring. I get it. Hubie's weird. The town folks are just pieces of garbage. Okay, I get it. Let's move on. And just a reminder, folks, these aren't spoiler-free reviews. You, you should have picked that up by my Child's Play review. So if you do want to watch Hubie Halloween, you don't want any spoilers, maybe stop right now. Because what I'm about to say is a spoiler for the end. You've had your warning. So when we find out at the end that it was Hubie's mom doing everything, that she's behind everything, it was more sad than anything. That we have this main story 
that all these people are winding up missing and getting hurt because this mother is tired of watching her son get picked on relentlessly and abused by the town people ever since he was a child. And to be honest, Hubie's mom is just one set of inbred parents away from being Leatherface's mom. Because Anne and I just last night watched the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I thought was really good, especially compared to the other films. But Leatherface's mom fully knows that he's murdering people to use their body parts and skin for his skin suit in a very Buffalo Bill kind of thing. But she knows this and just like, oh, everyone picked on, picked on my boy and he did nothing but just look a little weird. So they, everyone deserves this. I know you're kind. So then we have June Squibb, little old June Squibb, ready to set motherfuckers on fire because they picked on her boy. Look, we can find comedy in things that aren't funny. There are comedians who make a a living off of pushing the boundaries of what's funny and making things that aren't funny, funny, or at least attempting to based on your sense of humor. But for a movie like this, there's a point. There's a point where it just got to be too much in my eyes, where I'm like, this. there are too many f***ed up and sad things going on that even with Adam Sandler's maybe I am, maybe I'm not mentally retarded voice going on, even with the pratfalls and physical comedy, where I was just like, I... I'm over it. I'm done. I'm ready for this to be over. I didn't dislike it enough to stop it. I didn't turn to my wife and go, hey, do you want to watch something else? So at least Hubie Halloween was better than Six Underground. Six Underground was just an awful, awful film. I would rather watch Hubie Halloween all day than watch Six Underground one more time. But being a better film, like being a better Netflix original film than Six Underground isn't hard. It's like saying, hey, I want to be a better director than Michael Bay. It's like, hey, I want to be a better actor than Steven Seagal. It's not that hard. There was promise somewhere in Hubie Halloween. And the the best thing the film had going for it, the single best thing, was its Halloween spirit. It is Halloween f*** you in the mouth with it's Halloween spirit. Oh, another one of the great running gags, or one of the great running gags, was Hubie's mom's shirts that she gets from thrift stores that are just things like Boner Donor, or It's Not Gonna Lick Itself. But besides stuff like that, this is also a a pretty okay family film. It is rated PG-13, but it, it's not that bad. If you just look at the parents' guide to IMDb, 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 it's all very tame and mild. So I realize I'm kind of losing the losing the plot here. So let me get back on track and say, in the end, this film is just okay. It, it's not horrible, but it's also not very good. The best thing about it is the spirit of Halloween, that it's very, very Halloween themed. Tons of costumes, trick-or-treating, Halloween parties. The story is mediocre at best. The laughs are, I guess maybe a child would laugh at some of this stuff. I did laugh a couple times. But at the end of the day, the only reason I think you should watch this film is if you're really in the need for a Halloween enema just to get into the season. Like, I just I just need to get into the season. I'm not feeling it. This could help. This can be added to a list of movies like Hocus Pocus and Trick or Treat that are very Halloween heavy. Hubie Halloween gets a five out of 11. 
All right, my future friends, let us take our final break as we hear word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back with the question of the week and next week's question and next week's movies. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're we're doing doing fine. fine. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with the question of the week. And that question is... Who is your favorite slasher villain, and which is your favorite movie of theirs? So the first answer comes to us from this very household, and who says Michael Myers and Halloween H2O. And those are really good choices. My favorite slasher villain is Michael. And I would probably have to say that the reboot is my favorite film, because I love the original series. I do. Uh, The original movie, the first Halloween, is probably the best quality film out of all of them. H2O is the best balance between quality film and slasher fun. I think H2O is where they got it, got the combination just right. And the new one, Halloween from 2018, which is my favorite, I think they got the reboot done correctly. And like I've complained about before, even though they retconned all the other films, I think they kept the spirit of Michael Myers intact. I think they did a good job without really taking themselves too seriously. I mean, it's not a comedy at all. Obviously, it's not tongue-in-cheek. But it you could really tell in that film that they were more wanting to do justice to the series, do justice to Michael Myers and the films that came before them, instead of putting their pinkies too far up in the air and getting all fancy about it. While I do like the other slasher legends too, like Jason, Freddy... Uh, Leatherface, Chucky. I do think that Michael is the best of them, and Michael has the better movies just in general. All right, my future friends, it is time for the next question of the week, and it's another horror-themed one. It's kind of a take on something I've done before, but it's the Halloween season, so sue me. The question of the week is, assuming they did it right, and out of any horror movie or franchise, what would you like to see either get a modern remake or a reboot. So which horror movie would you like to see get a modern remake or modern reboot? And we're assuming that they're going to do a good job of it. All right, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Let us talk about the movies for next week. And then I'll send you along your way to listen to the other great podcasts you enjoy. So the movies for next week are going to be a Netflix original comedy horror that came out on October 2nd called Vampires vs. the Bronx. So obviously that's on Netflix. About a group of young friends from the Bronx who fight to save their neighborhood from gentrification and vampires. And my future friends, the final movie we're going to watch next week is a kind of a throwback. It's a film that I've actually heard talked about a lot especially recently, and usually by a lot of people who are a little younger than me, it's said on the same breath as Hocus Pocus, and that film is Halloween Town from 1998, available to stream on Disney+. Plus. So let's review Vampires vs. the Bronx on Netflix and Halloween Town on Disney+, Plus are the two movies for next week. So my future friends, thank you as always for listening. It means a lot that anyone out there, anyone, wants to hear what I have to say, so Thank you again, and let us jump into our closing housekeeping. 
You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website that is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.